way to live, um, countercultural, you know, in a, in a culture that doesn't really esteem and honor much. We, as Christians, have the privilege because of Christ to honor one another richly and deeply. Anyways, um, so if you would open your words, words, open to the words of Acts chapter 1. We are uh, officially kicking off our The Promise, the Church, and the Men Who Turned the World Upside Down. Officially, unofficially, Gary was able to, October 1st, give us a rich, in-depth look at kind of, like I think, the first 400 years leading up to the book of Acts, and then some of the things that were surrounding politically, uh, you know, in the government, uh, a religion, and, and such, some of the things that were actually surrounding, some things that were actually going on in the culture at the time of the book of Acts. Uh, so things leading up to and things that were happening in the midst of these great accounts of which I'm sure everyone here this morning under the sound of my uh, voice has been touched in one way or the other when it comes to the book of Acts. Extraordinary things take place in the New Testament church. And um, I get the privilege to talk about Acts chapter 1. No, it's not as glamorous and epic as Acts chapter 2 by any stretch of the imagination. Because in Acts chapter 2, we see the full manifestation of the power of God resting on human flesh. In Acts chapter 1, we see the ascension, which is pretty epic in and of itself, but nevertheless. Um, if I was to title my message this morning, and I'm sorry if you were here for first service, but this is all I know uh, what to do. Um, and I promise that the second service will probably be better than the first. Uh, the first was rather good. Um, <laughs> but if I was to title this message, I would title it, although we already have the title for the series, I would title this talk this morning, Why Daryl Lulls or Dislikes Cessationism. <laughs> Got a couple laughs. Some of you are still processing, like, oh, what is he talking about? <laughs> like, don't worry if you don't know what that word means, it's not a big deal. I encourage you not, never to look into that word at all, <laughs> because a, a, a trail of bad ideas follows. Um, that word. But sensationism is simply the doctrine that the spiritual gifts, such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, and healing, no longer exist. They have ceased along with the apostolic age. If I was to break it down simply, I would say that the belief that fuels this doctrine is that we have the full scope of God's word right here. It's living, it's active, it's powerful. And thus, there is no need for anything other or anything more than this word. And to that, I would say nonsense. Why am I bringing this up and why and how are we going to use Acts chapter 1 to actually confront this dogma? Is that the proper way of... Okay, cool. You know, under God's spirit, you get a little bit more educated too. Um, but... In Cambridge, in Boston, there, this doctrine is so pervasive in the church. And I believe it's one of the key components that has hindered the move of God in this city. Is this false doctrine, this man-made doctrine. Why does this doctrine exist? Because we 
find it easier as intellectuals to deem, uh, demonize things we don't necessarily understand via the power of God. So it's just easy for us to create doctrines, create lies essentially, to better suit and better fit our theology and our view of God. Thus, the outcome has been a weak church. We can afford this. We're going to use Acts chapter 1 because here at Hilltop, we are continuous. We believe that the power of God is available, accessible for us here right now in this very place at this very moment. But how do we get there? Hey, I can say that the charismatic church has not done a fairly well job at defining and kind of arguing these points. There are some, but not many. And, and mostly, I believe that the charismatic church has so butchered the expression of God's power in the earth that mainly it just looks tremendously distasteful from those viewing it. It's weird. You know, I'm not into John MacArthur, but the guy said some pretty pointed things that if you're not familiar with, with his conference, The Strange Fire, he said some pretty pointed things that I believe there is some truth. Because the charismatic church is getting weird. It's getting weird. Listen, I'm a charismatic. I can say that. I'm kind of the charismatic that loves the power of the Spirit, but adores this word. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 14. Here it is, Paul, I'm sorry, Jesus is talking to the disciples on Mount Olives. He says this, And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them, the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized you. Sorry, I wanted to say John John the Baptist, but it's just not there. Sorry. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will, now pay attention, but you will, Jesus says, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, somebody say Shanda. I don't know why I put that there. I kind of had a flashback of the 80s being in a charismatic church. And, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes. That's kind of cool. Jesus is a rock star, yep. Yeah, he's, that's pretty rock star. That's pretty rock. I mean, could you imagine just hanging out there? He's talking to you, he's talking to you about the kingdom of God. He's talking to you about being a witness and the Holy Spirit coming up. And then suddenly he just lifts. He just, I mean, how epic is that? So Jesus ascends. He goes far from their sight, the word says, and they were looking intently. Come on, guys, move on. Uh, but they were looking intently into the sky and as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, saying, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus 
who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem like good little disciples, obedient little disciples, to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mountain of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Now, just in case you didn't know, and most of you probably do know, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. That's important to note, okay? And we'll get into why that's important to note. But he is the author. You know Luke, in Luke's gospel, right, where he teaches about, or writes about, excuse me, what Jesus begins to um, uh, teach and do in his three-year ministry on earth. Now in volume two of the Acts of the Apostles, Luke is going to tell a story of what the risen, reigning Christ continues to do and teach by his spirit through his witness. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm his witness. witness. Oh, come on. That was the Baptist church is down the street next, next Sunday. You might want to check it out. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm his witness. So in my observation, Jesus does four things in Acts chapter 1 in order to prepare the apostles to be witnesses. He does four things. Let me list them in case you didn't see. And we'll kind of identify the text within Acts chapter 1 that lends to these, um, these facts. One, he gives them a spirit-authenticated, sorry, get a little tongue-tied, Commandment. He gives them a spirit-authenticated commandment. Look at verse 2 of Acts chapter 1. It reads this, Until the day when he, Christ, was taken up after he, Christ, had given commandments through his Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus, after his resurrection, hung out with 40, for 40 days with his closest friends. And there, within that 40-day period, he gives his friends commandments. Those of whom he had chosen to be his apostle, he is now, they are now in Jesus' seminary for 40 days. Okay? Number two, he verifies his resurrection from the dead by appearing to them for 40 days. Verse 3. Let's read. He presented himself, Christ presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Third, he's with them for 40 days. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. He's giving them commands, number one. He's proving that he is the resurrected Christ by just being there and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. These are four things, we're going to go into the fourth, but these are four things that Christ is doing to prepare his apostles to be witnesses. Number four, he promises to baptize them with the Holy Spirit and power. Four things. These are the way the Messiah prepares his students. And all this, a question emerges in verse 6 it's not really said who asked the question. But in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, the question emerges and they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, most of the times you'll hear commentaries, you probably even hear me from time to time get real agitated 
about questions like these. Because you find in studying the gospel that those who followed Jesus wanted a militant Jesus. They wanted a militant Messiah. They wanted the Messiah to come and overthrow the occupation of Rome and once again be a free, sovereign people. And mainly, it goes right against what Jesus was doing because he was going to die on a cross. He was not going to fight a political war. Not only was he going to die on the cross, but he was going to tell his followers to do likewise, to pick up your cross and follow me. But this is not like that. This question is not like that. And you can hear it and feel it in the tone of Jesus' response to the question. The disciples knew that the Old Testament, that in the Old Testament, excuse me, God promised the outpouring of his spirit in the last days. But also within those promises lie the prophetic declarations of a restored Israel. So in tandem, in Old Testament prophecy, God would speak through his prophets a great outpouring of his spirit in the last days, but also a restoration of the kingdom of God to Israel. And so, if you don't believe me, look at Ezekiel 39, 29. God said this through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God. So, right there, the prophet Ezekiel prophesies both the outpouring of God's Spirit in the last days, but a restored Israel. Right? I will restore the fortunes of Israel. I will have mercy on the house of Israel, and I will not hide my face from Israel anymore. And in addition to that, I will pour out my Spirit upon her. Man, that's good. That's good. So when Jesus says the long-awaited outpouring of the Holy Spirit is just a few days away, they would naturally ask for clarification given these prophecies. Kind of like, do you mean the end is near? Uh, the final kingdom is about to be established in just a few weeks and months? I'm supposed to jack these disciples up. These guys are anticipating, they're expecting this, and there's reason for it. But again, I want to clarify, this is not a foolish question at all. This is a very logical, reasonable question. Do you know that Jesus assigned a kingdom to his disciples, much like God assigned a kingdom to Jesus? That's blows my mind. What do you... Look at, look at Luke 22, 29 through 30. Luke 29 through uh, 30. 22, 29 through 30. It will be on the screen. At the Last Supper, Jesus says this to his friends. He says, as my father assigned a kingdom to me, so I assign one to you. <laughs> and let me just sign you up for that, okay? You've been assigned a kingdom to advance this morning. You, I, we are a missional people. And I'll tell you, there's nothing worse 
than missionaries who lack the power of God. There is nothing worse than the sense you get on a Sunday morning when you feel like God has left the building. It's the absence of the presence of God. Listen, this little disclosure at the end. Not only is Jesus, does Jesus say that he has assigned a kingdom to his disciples, he goes on to say this. Now listen, listen to this. I will, I'm sorry, you will eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So now Jesus invites them in the same kind of role that Jesus plays when he comes to establish his kingdom. Could you imagine being one of these guys? Could you imagine being one of these guys on the Mount of Olives, hearing Jesus talking about an outpouring of the Spirit, and, and then linking and having your mind quickly go to what he said at the Last Supper and said, Oh, is this the time? We're going we're to sit with you and judge the 12 t- tribes of Israel? That for me is awesome. If you need further proof that, um, or just want to be led in a little study, you can look at um, texts like Isaiah 32, 15, Isaiah 44, 3 through 5, Joel 2, 28, Zechariah 12, 10. These passages uh, all link the restoration of God's kingdom to Israel with a great outpouring. And essentially, you could just do a cross-reference study. You'll find that the Old Testament is smothered with the language. Now, wh- why do I go on to, to drive this nail? We've got to make the separation. As I said, mainly the view is when disciples are followers of Christ anticipated a militant Messiah, Jesus often countered that and said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to hang on a cross. Matter of fact, in a few days from now, you won't even recognize who I am. I'll be beaten so bad. But not only that, you're, 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 you're going to do the same. You're going to pick up your cross and you're going to follow me. But again, I want to make the distinction. This is not that. And we need to get this distinction because it helps us understand, I think, effectively how to argue the pervasive spirit of cessationism in our city. Listen, listen, the spirit of intellectualism is is so strong in this city. To the point where you get into arguments with people who are smart about the power of God and you cow down. This city doesn't need more smart people. It needs a powerful people. Let me say that again. This city does not need more smart people. I'm not telling you not to use your mind. Use your mind. But let your mind connect with your heart. And let your heart and mind be connected with the Spirit. Use your mind. But don't exalt your mind. It's not that good anyways. You ain't that smart. You shouldn't think that highly about yourself. 
We need the power of God in this city, friend. So in short, Jesus squashes the kingdom of God deal, doesn't he, right? But even though he seems to take the wind out of their sails, in one sense by saying, no, the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean I'm going to restore the kingdom. But what it does mean, my friends, is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. You will receive power to be my witnesses. Witnesses of Christ need power. Oh, there's Pastor Dallor again, power hungry. So be it. I, I guess there's worse titles. It's not a bad one. I'll take it. I'm just receiving right now my title. Yes, I am power hungry. Because, listen, I'm not power hungry in the sense that I want a bigger platform or a bigger ministry. I, I, I am power hungry because I so long for the world to see Jesus. And I know, I know that within myself, woo, apart from God's power, have you seen me? You probably have. But apart from God's power, it's ugly. You don't look good. We, you got, listen, without God's power, it's like not brushing your teeth or putting deodorant on in the morning. Comb your hair. Ask God to clothe you in his power. You need it. Witnesses need his power. And in my observation, I believe this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. These guys, what, Peter denied Christ just some time before this mountain of olives experience ascension. He denied Christ before a little girl. A little girl. Meanwhile, Peter saw Jesus raise the dead. I'd hope that'd be enough to boost my confidence that he is actually the Messiah. But he, he denies just some short time ago his profession of faith, his belief in Jesus. But yet, after the baptism, somebody say after. Acts chapter 2. Yeah, Michelle, thank you. Peter, Peter looks a little stronger, a little bolder. A little something on his life. You've got to get something on your life. But first, you have to understand that it is available. See, many of us in this room this morning, I wish there were more people here. There's so many people missing. But, but listen, I wish instead of cowering under the intellectual smog of this city that we would see some Christians uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Jesus clothe me in power no 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 and I, I don't I don't inscribe to that dogma I, I don't believe that uh, uh, Jesus clothe me in power what I love about Jesus is even though he pops their balloon by saying it doesn't mean that the end is tomorrow 
But what it does mean is you will receive power. So it's not tomorrow, but it's power. Somebody say power. Power. It's power to be his witness. You need power for the proclamation of the gospel. Ain't nobody want to hear a person who's daffy and dumb, who doesn't have the spirit of the living God burning where all their languages is coming from here. You ever talk to somebody that just, they're all in here? I'd much rather watch reruns of SpongeBob SquarePoints with my boy. And let me just say, I don't like SpongeBob SquarePants. Listen, you, we are not an impressive people. We are not an impressive people. I don't care what degree you have hanging on your wall that you spent a small fortune for, that you will spend the rest of your life paying off. Kaylin, thank you. Thank you. The head has to marry the heart, and the heart and the head need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. And then you're not arguing with people who don't believe the power of God no longer exists. You're manifesting the power of God. Therefore, end of discussion. Did you know that the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts and Luke, these two books overlap by 40 days, okay? And there's a lot of rep, uh, not, not, repu- not reputation, one of, thank you, honey, thank you. In these books, as they overlap, it's almost like Luke is trying to convey something and say, pay attention, pay attention. Look at Luke 24, 47 through 49. Is this all right? This is Jesus speaking, and it's going to seem a little bit abrupt because we're coming in on 47, and it begins with and. Sorry about that. But we'll go with it. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power. This is a different kind of infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's, the, there's the infilling that you just get by your profession of faith and your baptism. This is different. Luke uses the word clothed. Mm. Give me some clothes of God's power. Let's look at some obvious parallels between the two, Acts chapter 1 and Luke 24. First, let's start in the book of Acts. The way I see it, in Jesus' mind exists the thoughts that the goal here is what begins in Jerusalem. This is important because we want to pull down that ugly argument that says the power of God no longer exists. 
So in my observation, Jesus is trying to convey that what begins in Jerusalem must, must, not hopefully, not by the grace of God, it must reach the ends of the earth. That's, that's what is, exists in the heart and mind of our Christ. That what begins in Jerusalem must reach the ends of the earth. It's, there's no option. Turn to your friend and say, no option. It's game time. It's game time. No, sign up this morning. We have a task. We are a missional people. Jesus is engaging his church and saying, what begins in Jerusalem via the outpouring of my spirit must reach the far ends of the globe. And the only way this is going to reach the unreached is by my power. Not by might, not by, what is it? Power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, right? Two, observation in paralleling, or finding the parallels between Acts chapter 1 and Luke 24. In Acts, we see second, there is the witness itself, the testimony to the truth of Christ, the gospel. Third, there is the Holy Spirit that comes upon the disciples. And fourth, there is the power the power to be a witness. Now, I know I'm repeating myself, but you need to hear this. The, 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 the foundation, the core of what I'm going after is the power of God's Spirit coming upon a people is for a reason in God's heart. Now, let's look at Luke 24 and see if we can find some of those same things in 47 through 49. It's right here. We see the goal that what began in Jerusalem must reach the ends of the earth, right? Let's see. Um, you are my witness of these things. Oh, no. Proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Then two, the apostles are called witnesses in verse 48. You are the witnesses of these things. And third, the Holy Spirit is promised in Luke 24. Again, just these kind of overlapping moments, uh, you know, uh, before Jesus ascends into heaven, driving these truths home. The promise of the Father must come upon these believers being baptized in the Holy Spirit not too many days now from Acts chapter 1. And finally there exists the explicit reference in verse 49 to the power needed for the mission. The power of God is needed for the mission. Stay in the city until you are clothed. I believe, in closing, because I want to save some time for ministry, if that's okay, and if you have to go, please feel free to go. But I believe that this kind of experience is what Jesus meant by witnessing. Let me say that again. I believe that this kind of experience is what Jesus meant by witnessing. In Acts chapter 1-8, that his disciples will be able to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth when they receive power. You will no longer, I feel Jesus saying, you will no longer merely be 
um, advocates who can prove, like a good lawyer could prove, that Jesus rose from the dead, but under the influence now of my spirit, under the influence of God's power, you can spread the word, spread the good news to the ends of the earth. So in closing, I want to ask for all those who might be on the fence, what I would assume there possibly could be some. But it's this, is it that the power of God was only for the first generation church? My answer is that for us, in the one argument, I will simply put it this way. The promise of this extraordinary power, this extraordinary experience of the fullness of God is given, Jesus says, and to enable his witnesses, us here, to take the gospels to the end of the earth. In both Acts chapter 1, 4 through 14, and Luke 24, 47 through 49, say that. We, in my opinion, have not accomplished the goal. There is still many who have not heard the good news of the gospel. Therefore, I would conclude that the promise of the Father still exists until the Great Commission is finished. And if you talk to any um, missions organization that has any kind of global reach, you know and you would know that there are far many unreached people yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I would say the power of God exists for the witnesses of God. If I can invite the worship team up. I'm also going to have my wife, Bethany, come up. If we could get another mic. And if I could have a couple guys just drag this table off for us. Thank you. You know, it's not enough that we just hear a word like this and just mentally arrive there to the truth. We have to respond in our hearts. I believe in Cambridge. At least I could only speak for this city because this is where God has planted my feet. I believe that God is raising up Hilltop Jehop to combat this evil, pervasive doctrine of cessationism that has ruled out the power of God. I mean, if you look at the statistics of church engagement in our city, it is staggering. We lean towards being a godless people. I mean, can you imagine, we're up to two services and most people who've lived in New England consider this church to be a large church. And maybe in some regards it is for this plot of land. But it just goes to show what a powerless church has not been able to produce in our city has not been able to engage our city and our communities with the gospel. 
because mainly the gospel sounds like in most churches noisy God has left a building Ichabod, Ichabod where has God gone and people are just disinterested disengaged but I believe God is raising up hilltop to shine like a, a light in the city and it's not just hilltop there are a couple but I believe it's in this area that we're going to move as a church listen as long as I exist as pastor of this church I will never bow my leg or my knee to a powerless gospel because I see it fit to demonize things that I don't understand or I'm not experiencing. I'm like that woman in Luke 18 going to pursue the just judge and cry out for it day and night. God, give us power. Guys, close your eyes. There's a moment that God's creating for us right now. There's an opportunity that we're gonna lay hold of right now and I believe God is gonna come upon some of us with power. You, you, you have been victims to the spirit of this city and God wants to snatch you from it and give you his uh, fiery presence in the womb of your spirit. Listen, we're not going to drum this up. We're just simply going to respond. I want people who feel like they have given in to this daffy dumb spirit called sensationism you've given in you've 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 bought you've drank the kool-aid you think no god's power doesn't exist therefore we have to we have to now just rely upon god intellectually and think about god just in our minds i want those who feel like you have succumbed to the spirit of the city that you have been maybe beaten down suppressed even by good friends I want you to respond to this altar call we want to pray for you we want to break the lies of the enemy off of you we want to charge you up anew and afresh with the power and the presence of God this morning so if that's you respond to the altar call this morning so that we can lay hands and pray for you actually, I want to actually take it a step further there's people in this place that you wouldn't actually identify with um, something called sensationism, but this is what you can identify with, is that you do not live with expectation. That you do not live with expectation for the power of God in your life, but also with that, you make excuses to the lack of the power of God in your life. And this is what I want. If you're here in this place, and that even as we're teaching the word, you know that there's a lack of expectation. And what you've done is you is actually called being settled in mediocrity. You've settled in a lowly place that is not your place of inheritance and it is not the portion that Jesus has for you. There is something in the word called contending and oftentimes when we use the word contending, we want to shy away from that because if it's not something that comes easily or naturally, we then despise it. There's some of you in this place, what you've actually received today is an invitation to contend for the fullness of what God has for you. And I just want to say that if you're here and you have not been postured and positioned in a place of contending for the fullness of God in your life, God wants to awaken something within your spirit today. He wants to call you back into the place of seeking Him and believing Him for the fullness of God. So if that is you, we're
we're going to pray over you and specifically we're going to pray that you come out of those shadows of despair and compromise and that expectation is awakened in your heart today. Stand to your feet if that's you specifically. We're going to pray over you. Father, we thank you for those under the sound of our voice. God, those that you've gathered here today, Lord, I thank you for those that you have called to this city. Lord, you have called them here to be a voice. You have called them here to be an intercessor. And Lord, we ask God that every place that they have been robbed of strength, Lord, we ask God that every spirit that has come to strip them of strength and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, Father, that today, Father, Lord, from their innermost being, we say awake in the name of Jesus. Awake in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you, Father, that even right now, God, that every spirit of slumber would be broken off of our brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. We break off the spirit of despair in Jesus' name. We break off every spirit of hopelessness. You can identify the stronghold of the enemy in your life because it's a place of hopelessness. That any place that you feel hopeless, it's a, it's a witness of the enemy that's come to establish a stronghold. We speak hope in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak hope in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak hope and expectation. Lord, we thank you, Father, that even today, Father, that expectation would be stirred within our spirit. Lord, we believe your word. We come out of every place of doubt and unbelief. Every place of doubt and unbelief be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, Father, that our minds and our thoughts, Lord, that our, even our intellect, Lord, that it would be yielded to the Spirit of God. It would be yielded to the wisdom of God. Come on, I'm just going to invite everyone here now to just start praying in tongues. Come on. Uh, just start praying. Release your tongue to just begin to stir up your spirit. A spirit of faith. Jammin, turn this microphone up. Turn it up. Come on. Speak in tongues. Come out of agreement. Come out of agreement with that daffy dumb spirit who binds up your lips to speak in the languages of heaven. Come on, speak. Speak the languages of heaven right now. Stir your faith in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Matthew, come on up. Cassie, come on up. Start praying for people. Come on, we're not done yet. Press. Press into God. If you gotta go, go. It's fine. We love you. But we're gonna we're gonna break through into something here this morning. Lord, we cry out, Father, for a baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. We speak boldness.
Christ in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Name. We break off every spirit of timidity and fear out to in God. Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for the baptism yeah. of the Holy Spirit and yes, fire. God. Boldness in Jesus' name. Jesus. The burning heart of God. Lord, unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. Come on. Turn my microphone up. Listen, it's not the first time the church would be labeled as weird. You are a weird, peculiar people. When the Acts chapter 2 happened, there were people who were mocking and making fun of and calling them a bunch of drunkards. Get over yourself. Press into God. Speak in that heavenly language. Courage your hearts today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you're the name we're lifting high, your glory, shaking up the earth revival. Come on. We want to see We're not here to do church as usual, guys. We're not here to just do church as usual. We want revival. into God this morning we're not done yet Pentecost, God. Give us Pentecost. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in the earth, Father. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Fill us. Fill us, God. Keep going, keep 
going, keep going, we're pressing. Lady Ray, we're going. feel God on you, turn to someone and start praying for them. If you're crying, if you're passionate, stirred within you, turn to the one next to you and begin to just spread that contagious spirit. Come on. Let it spread, God, throughout this room. Shaking up the earth and sky, breathing. 
Listen, I was thinking this when we were praying. I know for some who have responded to the altar call, you're responding to God in different ways. And, and maybe for some of you, you don't even know what's going on inside of you if you're connecting with anything. But for those who may not feel like they're connecting with anything, I'd like you to think about this. I'd like you to reconcile in your heart tonight that you are a weird person. You are a peculiar person. Listen, the world will always mock what God does through and in His people. And you need to get over the way you look. You need to just succumb to the fact that when God comes upon you, there might be some who laugh who mock. There might even be some of your closest friends who do it. Listen, I would encourage you. Are you more concerned about your closest friends or are you concerned with God? Because I'm telling you, God's Holy Spirit is a gentleman and He will not go where He's not welcome. You start to put on that facade of, nope, I don't want to look this way. Believe me, God will see to it that you don't look that way. But I want to encourage you to be a different people. I'm not saying be a weird people, although that might be what some think. I'm saying a different people. One of whom God can move through. One of whom God can maybe at times make them appear a little strange and a little weird. in church just in case you don't know by now Hilltop is not here just to play church and I don't mean that for an applause I mean that I'm convicted by that each day I put my hand to pastor these people I don't and am not going to do church like church has been done in our city listen run with us Run with us. And let's start being a beacon of light in this city. Coming in an opposite spirit. A loving one, but an opposite one. And let's move under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said it the best himself. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Dare I say that apart from you, you apart from Jesus, you might as well not even share the gospel. Get Jesus in and on your life. Get the power of the Holy Spirit in and on your life and see what he does through your life. Amen. We're going to continue to pray, but we have to bring to an end this time because the hotel is going to get mad at us if we're not out in an hour. This is just part of being a portable church. It's our... It's our cross to bear. We're bearing it well. So, But we do have to stop. But if you are getting prayer, we'll play some background music. Continue. And don't be too distracted by us breaking down. Listen, if you're new and here for the first or second time this morning and you haven't yet connected to this family, I want to encourage you. Stop by the info center. This Scarlet, raise your hand. She'd like to connect with you. Just get some information. There's a cool gift. But that gift is only available if you're interested in investigating further 
this family and maybe connecting further with this family. Listen, guys, we love you. We do this every Sunday, 9.30 and 11 o'clock, two services back to back. Come out and worship Jesus with us next Sunday, okay? Have a great Sunday. We love you.